Okay, you ready? All right. I was joking with Odie that we're going to start this off with, like, gong. Hello. And welcome to part one of a two-part special series on mindfulness at the Blinkist Podcast. I'm Ben Schumann-Stoller. Oh, and I'm Caitlin Schaaf. <laughs> <laughs> And welcome to part one of a two-part special little series on mindfulness here at the Blinkist Podcast. I'm Ben Schumann-Stoller, and I'm joined by everybody's favorite person that basically just isn't me to listen to, <laughs> Caitlin Schiller. Hi, Caitlin. Hi, Ben. I wish that it actually sounded sincere, but hey. Oh, come on. I'm glad you're here. <laughs> Kidding. Me too. Um, so yeah, we're going to do a little series on mindfulness, very short. And don't worry if you want the interviews um, next week. Or in the next weeks, we'll have interviews with some really cool people. Jonah Berger. Jonah Berger. About his new book. Daniel Schachter, author of Seven Sins of Memory. And Sandra Amat, who wrote um, Why Diets Make Us Fat, which is a really cool hmm. book. So, yeah, the background is this. You know about this new mindfulness category we launched inside Blinkist. It's yes. called Mindfulness and Happiness. Mm-hmm. We had the idea, Caitlin and I had the idea, that we would just jump into the category and see what the book said and sort of do like a primer on mindfulness. Right, because it's one of those terms that you hear bandied about a lot, but what does it mean? Right, so I I had like some ideas of like a goal, some sort of takeaways from this episode, which is this. One, have a clear idea of what mindfulness is and why people are talking about it. Two, how people are actually using it and how you can use it or you can get started if you're curious what all the buzz is about. And three, like some skepticism and why it's maybe too broadly applied or some issues with it. So, like, very basic outline to the episode. Well, that's great. Okay. I'm finding that people are actually using these vouchers. Hurrah! Yay, engagement. Yes. <laughs> so, we're going to keep it going. Go to Blinkist.com slash friends. Use the code MINDFUL. Get 14 free days of Blinkist. And email Caitlin and I at podcast.blinkist.com if you have any questions. Good. Let's so, get to it. All right. So, I didn't know where exactly to start this off. So, I literally just Googled the word mindfulness um, Caitlin, you haven't seen this yet, but you see this image on your screen. Of, I do of the screenshot. Can you describe like this is this was literally the first result or the first results on Google for the term mindfulness? We've got a lot of Wikipedia. We've got a definition up at the top. Um, they're really all just they're all just definitions. Yeah, as if there's it's not clear, and the like number one thing that people want with the term mindfulness is to figure out what it is. Yeah, not even how to do it. Nothing else. They just want to know. What is this thing? And then the last one you see is a mindfulness app to buy. Oh, yeah. Right? So it's like it's like everyone wants to know what it is, but somehow it's already commercialized. <laughs> like somehow people are selling something about it. Mm-hmm. So in a way, it's like perfect. The front page of Google was perfect mm. um, of the Google results. So people aren't really sure what it is. Um, let's dig into some books. I thought we could start with Wherever You Go, There You Are by John Kabat-Zinn. He's actually the creator of the Stress Reduction Clinic and the Center of Mindfulness at the University of Massachusetts Medical School. But he also studied with Thich Han and Zen Masters. He's one of the people who talked a lot about mindfulness-based stress reduction mm. and sort of brought mindfulness into the mainstream, mm-hmm. I would say. Mm-hmm. So which blank did you find from the from the blanks? Well, we found, we found a really early one, actually, and it 
introduces the fact that from a Buddhist perspective, our ordinary state of consciousness is pretty limited. We often do things unconsciously without being fully present in the moment. And the antidote to this, essentially, is mindfulness. It's overriding this automatic approach to life. I mean, the simple fact that we're always doing something while thoughts race through our heads without cease leaves very little room for us to just be. So to truly embrace the present, we need to systematically observe who we are and examine our view of the world. And this essentially is mindfulness. Very good. That's helpful. Hmm. But okay, here's another definition, like might as well give two. This is from Sam Harris's book, Waking Up. Hmm. Um, Sam Harris is also a much beloved podcast guest. He has his own podcast actually also. He says, basically, mindfulness is a way out of sort of the stress cycle that eats us up, Mm. that you can separate your thoughts and your worries from yourself, and that mindfulness and especially meditation is a way to become aware of the contents of your consciousness, right? There's like Mm. always this idea of you watch the thoughts go by as they come to you, Mm -hmm. and you sort of recognize the feeling and thoughts that you're having. You become aware of them. You begin to recognize them as products, like not as reality themselves. Right. Um, It's kind of like he says, he makes the analogy to a horror film. If you allow yourself to become engrossed in the film, you'll constantly be looking like behind you and jump at strange noises and stuff. But if you remember it's just an image on the screen, you're not going to be afraid, and you feel like you have control. Right. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I think also key here is that It's about sort of taking an inventory of these thoughts that go by or allowing yourself to check them, but approaching them without any kind of bias or judgment, just noticing them rather than interacting with them. Yeah, good point. So I think that it's fair to say if we're going to come up with a definition of mindfulness, it's kind of nothing more than a catch-all term to describe the idea of paying more attention consciously. Mm. You think that's fair? I think that's fair, yeah. So you just be more aware, more conscious of the things you're doing, of your thoughts and so on. Um, That's the first thing. That's not hard. Okay. In fact, it sounds kind of boringly simple. <laughs> In fact, the the first we said that the Google results came up with a definition, and the first definition was the quality or state of being conscious or aware of something, <laughs> which is another way of saying like you're alive. Yeah, Good job. Exactly. <laughs> you which woke is, up today, which was great. <laughs> All right. So that's the definition. Second thing is why is everyone talking about it so much? Mm. And I think the short answer, nobody would be talking about it this much unless it was making a positive difference in people's lives. Like people are actually benefiting. So people are mindful and it's making them happy and healthy. So you look through the category. Yeah. What, which one did, what books did you find about this? The one that, that um, I picked out here is Get Some Headspace. It's by Andy Puttycomb, who is behind the Headspace app, which you may have heard of. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, which we use in the office sometimes to lead us through group meditation. Anyway, so in this book and blanks, it says that mindfulness helps stress reduction. That's pretty obvious. But research also shows that meditation can lower blood pressure. Um, It helps with heart rate. um, It lowers breathing rate and oxygen consumption at the same time as boosting the immune system, which is pretty cool. So they did a study at Oxford University and found that stress can play a role in women's ability to conceive. It also suggests that techniques like meditation could help support fertility. At UMass, meanwhile... They found that stress-related skin conditions like psoriasis cleared up four times more rapidly when a meditation routine was practiced, which is crazy to think that it could affect your skin, too. Um, Studies have also shown that meditation can significantly ease symptoms of anxiety and depression, which I think is probably the commonest application that we hear about. And this happens because it allows emotions to come and go without building up into a negative filter that distorts the way that we see the world. A year of meditation, this is an example from the book actually, enabled a woman named Pam, who was 51 um, and a patient at the author's clinic, 
to come off of her antidepressants, which is really, truly powerful, especially in an age where we're seemingly over-medicated yeah. and overly stressed. So yeah, mindfulness techniques let people engage better with their emotions. It makes them happier and healthier. It lowers, you know, blood uh, blood pressure and heart rate and just risks of dying, basically. So it sounds like, yeah, it's really having a positive effect on people's health. And we all want to be a little bit better with that. Right. And that's so that's one reason. I, I split this into two reasons. One was like health and the other one was sort of performance because, you know, you hear people like Tim Ferriss interviewing Arnold Schwarzenegger about how mindfulness helped them reach top potential. Wow. And what is that a good Arnold Schwarzenegger accent? Um, it's kind of like he was almost, on. he was like French at some point <laughs> in that accent. That's because he's been in California for too long? I don't know. <laughs> um, but yeah, you hear people talking about mindfulness and performance. Mm-hmm. Um and we have a book called The Mindful Athlete, which is close to my heart because it's by George Mumford, um, who worked with like Michael Jordan and um, a lot of basketball players. And he's like, the forward to the book is actually by Phil Jackson. I can highly recommend this book. Mm. And he's a super interesting dude. The author, George Mumford, besides getting to work with a bunch of basketball players and sort of applying his mindful athlete techniques, he also was a good basketball player in college, got injured, ended up like getting hooked on heroin. <gasps> And then he actually enrolled in John Kabat-Zinn's mindfulness-based stress reduction program, kicked the drugs, earned a degree, like got his, got back on his feet and like started teaching people. Mm. So yeah, so one thing that he talks about in the book, The Mindful Athlete, is about how mindfulness can help you get into the zone. Mm. And he actually refers to the Mihai, Csikszent Mihai uh, research on flow and like finding the perfect amount of challenge for yourself to get in the flow and how... In his sort of interpretation of that, the only way to do that is to be aware of your own thoughts and, and emotions themselves. Hmm. Um, you have to practice what he calls bare awareness, which he says is like staying aware of what's going on in your mind and body at the present moment. So again, it's this aware, like, per, like purposeful conscientiousness, right? So he says, while it's easy to get distracted doing this, like feel, you might feel a breeze, a nice memory might come to your mind and you get stuck on it. Hmm. But like, just think of yourself as a watcher. Right. This is kind of what you said when when we were talking about watching the thoughts go by. Mm-hmm. Be non-judgmental. Watch what's happening in your mind. Don't let it control you. Stay in charge. Get control. Don't let it be the other way around. And yeah, I think that's pretty powerful. That is pretty powerful. If it can help you zone in when you need to zone in and zone out when you really need to zone out from right. certain <laughs> things that you need to let go in order to complete a task that's really important right now, then I think that, yeah, that's very powerful. So cool. So that I think that covers sort of why people do it. So we've yeah. covered like what it is, why people do it. Maybe you've heard this stuff and you realize like, oh, I already do some kind of mindfulness. Mm-hmm. You know, like I was talking to some people and they were saying in the office and they were like, oh, well, I have this routine in the morning where I, you know, like I have to walk the dog or something. Right. And I, I don't do it with headphones. I'm like, yeah, that's my, like you're doing it. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just because you're not lighting a candle and chanting. Mm-hmm. Um so I I think it's important that that misconception is kind of yeah addressed. It's like making choices about your day and how you spend it and how you allow your brain space to be colonized, essentially. So I wanted to get into how people actually apply it, how you, how people can get involved. And I thought we could talk about how we did it at the Blinkist offices. You've been there um, for all the different times that people have tried to start mindfulness initiatives. Yeah. Um, do you remember when we hired a meditation expert? Yeah, I do. What was that like? Well, what I remember most was that it was very warm and we were sitting on beanbags in our old office 
which was um, really cozy in just an apartment. And the basement room was just festooned with beanbag chairs and comfy rugs um, and good startup style. And this small red-haired man came and very <laughs> merrily guided us through meditation techniques. I remember him teaching us how to notice the breath coming in and out of our nostrils. Hmm. And I started to get stuck on the idea that nostril is kind of a gross word. And then I realized that is exactly what I was supposed to not be doing. Um, getting but that stuck was on, getting, getting stuck, stuck on, on nostrils. Right. Yeah. <laughs> But it was kind of helpful. Uh, yeah, that was my first real brush with meditation, actually. Okay. And then that stuck around, right? Like we had this basement where I know some colleagues would mm -hmm. go down there and just sort of have some time to themselves. Yeah. Um, we moved to the new office. And then there was also like a Slack group that came up um, that was also about mindfulness. And people go and sit and uh, also on the beanbags in the sort of quiet room uh, and... They were also doing yoga in the office. Did you do yoga in the office? I didn't because I, I have uh, a place that I go. But I guess the point I wanted to make was that it's not hard to find a space to practice mindfulness. Like we did it in kind of a nasty basement in a startup office. <laughs> and now we're doing it in like a glass room. That houses our foosball table. That houses a foosball table. So, But, you know, even at work you can do it. You need 10 minutes and yourself and a little bit of quiet. That's it. Right. So I, I want to hear what Laura and Nicholas, I talked to a couple of our colleagues. Laura is the head of publishing and Nicholas is a is a co-founder. And I talked to them about their practices and but I also wanted to ask you like how do so what's your practice like? Uh my practice comes mostly from my experiences with practicing yoga. As I said, this first my first real brush with meditation, which I think is the the like the go-to of all mindfulness techniques, um, was in the Blinkist office, but my first experience with yoga actually came shortly after that. And it really is based on the breath. And it was the first time I'd ever consciously noticed how um, manipulating my own breathing could have an effect on how I was doing in the moment in my day. So noticing that and being able to tune into this this very noisy, oceanic-sounding ujjayi breath, which is what you use in yoga when you're holding an extremely uncomfortable position that you don't want to be in, so you're not thinking about that, and you're mm. just noticing the breath in the moment and sort of accepting where you are in this horrifying lunge. Um, See, I'm judging it. I shouldn't be right now. But uh, <laughs> my own mindfulness practice is really in yoga, but it's something that I take out into the day with me and use that breathing technique in order to calm myself down in stressful situations. I'm really impatient. Um, I become more patient since I started mm -hmm. yoga because this I learned how to calm myself down essentially and just stay in the moment and accept where I am and have a deep oceanic ujjayi breath behind the old lady in line at Aldi <laughs> um, and really creep her out. But it's super helpful and it's something that now comes automatically and that's really, really great. Cool. So let's listen to a little bit of my, my chats with Laura and Nicholas. I think you're gonna like this. So I think I don't have a clear definition for mindfulness, but what it means for me is I think being more aware of your surrounding, of, of your thoughts and of the moment. And I think like it's quite the opposite of just being reactive, but try to make more conscious decisions and really try to be more reflective in what you do. Really, I feel that I'm too busy with my mind and I want to be, to be calmer. Afterwards, I really feel really relaxed. But I think like the moment when you just like stop the meditation, it's a really good feeling. I can reset to what I was like in the morning. Like I get this freshness in my mind, get rid of like all the clutter. It helps me to be more focused and 
to pay more attention to the people around me as well. So not only like right after the meditation, but there are like long-term effects and really feels like it changes your brain in a way, in a, in a positive way. So it's a 15-minute guided meditation. So first you try to kind of like get into the moment, um, kind of like feel your physical sensations and try to focus on, on your breath. Sometimes you just sit there with this breath for 10 minutes or sometimes there is also like a visualization where you are supposed to think, for example, of a beam of sunlight that goes through your body and then it fills your body. When I walk to work every morning, like I'm walking this like since two or three years and suddenly see things I've never realized before. And I think this is really, really cool when you realize, wow, I discovered one new piece of the, of the world around me. What I find very interesting is that I, I think that without knowing it, I used to do mindfulness when I was a child. Like I would have these sessions where I sat down with a candle and then like really sit there just with this candle, enjoying this candle, just enjoying this moment. Like, I found it really interesting to see how you and Laura Nicholas set up mindfulness in your own lives. I think, like, the listeners, if you hopefully after listening to this one and then this other episode about our is that even a thing, hopefully people are going to get a good idea of why people are talking about it and to set it up. Um, I think it's really important that it's not a life hack. No. Like, the practice is the practice. Mm -hmm. And you should do the thing because you like it, not to let external motivations like money, success, um, productivity or whatever drive you there. I mean, it, productivity and success and even money or whatever should be sort of a byproduct of just regaining control and and um, not feeling completely overwhelmed by life spinning out of control. Yeah. And like I said, start doing it enough and do it mindfully at first. You might, You will need to be mindful about your own mindfulness practice at first, but it can become automatic. And when you make it a part of your day, it can have positive ramifications in the rest of your life. Yeah, Nicholas said that it, like you have to make it a habit. Yeah. We have lots of great books on that. I'm <laughs> <laughs> so let's just say like this. If you want to try mindfulness at home, start out with one of the apps. I mean, Nicholas and Laura, you've also used Headspace. I mean, I have a, yeah, I've looked a little bit. Calm is one. I've used some of the walking meditations in Aptive, A-A-P-T-I-V. Mm -hmm. So it's not something you have to go. I mean, you could go to a yoga class and stuff, but if you just want to sit for 10 minutes, go into the iTunes store or the Google Play store, download one of the mindfulness apps. Um, mm -hmm. try it out. Yeah. That's Sitting still is hard, but you know, right. you'll do it. It'll be okay. All right. So the last part of this podcast is a little bit of skepticism, a healthy dose of skepticism. This would not be a Ben Schumann Solar production without <laughs> a healthy dose of skepticism. <laughs> so this is a book called The Upside of Your Dark Side. Mm -hmm. Do you know this book? Yeah, I've heard of it. I think I even read it a while ago. Get me up to speed. It's a, it, it, it basically ties into being mindless sometimes leads to better decisions, mm -hmm. thinking too much about something. It's like that hot decision-making, cold decision-making thing. Right. Sometimes um, you need the, the really hot decisions because your intuition takes over. And sometimes like our unconscious minds are better at stuff than our conscious focused mind. So there's a study in which psychologists were asked to diagnose mental patients um, only looking at the case files. Mm -hmm. 
And after reading through them, half of them could sort of think for the, about the file for four minutes, about the diagnosis. The other half was distracted by having to do a crossword puzzle or something. The distracted psychologists were five times as accurate as those who had the chance to deliberate on their diagnosis. Whoa. Yeah. I wish you could see my face right now. Right. I just <laughs> looked, I look pretty skeptical. Right. The point is that like dealing with the unconscious brain is also powerful. I just, I, I don't think that mindfulness is bad. I just wanted to give like another side of the story because. Well, you don't have to be mindful about every single last thing. Exactly. So I think that's that's pretty good for like a little short primer on some of the books and Blinkist. Do you have any other books that you would recommend like from the mindfulness category or whatever? Uh, we went through, what were the books we did? We did... Get Some Headspace. Get Some Headspace. How to Stop Worrying and Start Living. Waking Up. The Power of Now. Oh yeah, that's on there. We didn't talk about that, but that's oh, no, also we did, a classic. No, we didn't. Yeah. That's a classic. You know what else we didn't talk about? We didn't talk about Savor, which is Thich Nhat Hanh's book. Um, we didn't talk about The Art of Happiness, which is the Dalai Lama book that I really mm, like. Mm -hmm. um, but a lot of these are in the new mindfulness category. I think the category is called Be More Mindful in 2017 or something. No, I think it's called Mindfulness and Happiness. Oh, okay. There's a, there's there's a, a user list. Yeah, there's a book list, though. Right. So if you want to have a good idea of where to start, you can go to the app and you can find Be More Mindful in 2017. We already made a book list for you. Uh, Blinkist editor approved. And you can check out the contents of that new category. Which cool. we're pretty excited about. Cool. So we did a lot of books today. We did. This is book heavy. Book heavy. Good. All right. Well, then let's um, let's do the outro where I say stuff like, thanks for listening to this episode of the Blinks Podcast. It was produced by me, Ben Schumann-Stoller, Caitlin Schiller, a.k.a. Caitlin Schiller. <laughs> did you say, oh, God? <laughs> I did. <laughs> and I won't say it then. And Odie Constantino, who prefers carbonated water over still. Special, special thanks to our uh, working student, Helena von Schwichau, for helping with the research. She helped um, comb through a lot of these books. That was really cool. Hey, and remember, you can get 14 days of free Blinkist. So you should go to Blinkist.com slash friends and enter the discount code slash voucher code mindful. You can read pretty much everything in the mindfulness and happiness category and just be on your way to feeling like a much better mensch at the end of two weeks. So go try it out. Cool. This was part one of kind of a two-part content experiment um, on mindfulness. Part two, Caitlin and I are also recording today, and it's going to be one of our Is That Even a Thing episodes, the much beloved, much talked about, much written about in conversations between you and I. <laughs> Indeed. I think I saw it in skywriting the other day, actually. <laughs> right. Um, all right. Well, then, in the meantime, let us know what you think, if you want. Podcast at Blinkist.com. We both read those emails, so say hi. Otherwise, be good. This is Ben and Caitlin checking out. Checking out.